Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural edition of the free UAB Sports Report. My name is Chip Lake, and I will be your host this evening. In just a few minutes, we will be joined by our very special guest, Alabama State Representative Jack Williams, who represents the 47th District in the House of Representatives. Representative Williams will give us an update on what has been a very busy week for him and for the entire free UAB movement. After he gives us an update, we're going to have a discussion and go through a detailed timeline on exactly how UAB football got to where it is today. Uh, Most people are well aware of all the controversy surrounding why leaders at UAB made a decision to end the football program. But there are many sports fans out there who only know, number one, that UAB football program has been discontinued, and number two, they know there's controversy surrounding that decision. Uh, So what what we want to do today is walk through a timeline of events that led to the program's demise and try to give the listener an understanding as to why so many people are outraged at the actions of UAB President Ray Watts. How could it be that UAB became the first Division I football program to shut its doors since the University of Pacific did so in 1995, over 20 years ago, or some 20 years ago? With all due respect to my friends in California, how can this possibly happen in the year 2014 in the state of Alabama? A state that has been home to four out of the last six BCS national champions. Could it simply just be a matter of economics, as UAB President Ray Watts would like for us to believe, or is there much more to it than that? Over the next hour and over the next couple of months, we hope to have answers to that question. This is the first UAB Sports Report talk show, but there will be many more that will be hosted here on TalkShoe. All shows will have the same call-in number with the same caller ID. And at the end of tonight's show, we will make an announcement with respect to when the next show is going to be scheduled. Additional shows will be very interactive, and we will be able to take questions and comments from callers. However, tonight what we want to do is lay out a solid foundation and background on this issue. So we won't be taking any calls tonight, but we certainly will be on future shows. Um, With that, it is an honor to have Representative Jack Williams join us tonight. Representative Williams is the face of the free UAB movement. He has been a tireless advocate on behalf of the university and really the entire UAB community. To put it lightly, he is a one-man gang taking on some of the most powerful people in the state of Alabama and Alabama athletics. 
Had it not been for the efforts of Jack Williams to put some sunshine on this issue, there's no way that the movement would be anywhere near where it is today. Uh, Representative Williams, thank you for being with us. You've had a very busy week. Chuck, thanks for having me on, and it's easy to talk about things you're passionate about. Indeed, indeed. Well, you started this week uh, on Monday, um, actually last week, I'm sorry, uh, Monday on the 23rd, and you held a press conference in the morning, and that press conference has generated quite a bit of news activity on this issue over the past week. Um, Why don't you walk us through some of the information that you had to share with the press at the press conference last Monday and talk to us about uh, subsequent activities and information that you've gained since that press conference last Monday. Well, Chip, uh, as as you mentioned earlier, on December 2nd, uh, uh, Ray Watts, the president of UAB, announced that he was killing uh, the football program the uh, bowling and women's rifle, uh, r- rifle and women's bowling teams. Sure. And uh, he, he, the, the rumor of this, uh, of football's demise had been out there for several weeks. And uh, during that entire time, uh, Dr. Watts had said uh, um, that the, uh, that there was a study being conducted by, Car Sports Consulting, and no decision had been made, and and uh, he told the faculty on I think November 13th, pay no attention to these rumors. Uh, there's it's part of the ongoing strategic study of the for the entire campus, and uh, and so uh, December 2nd he announced the death of football and uh, the other two programs, and in, in all honesty, Chip, no one really. There had been just too much going on beforehand. No one really believed that the decision had been made in November. Right. Nor did anyone believe that Dr. Watts acted entirely of, of his own accord. Sure. So, um, and you had documents had a, on Monday that actually backed we, that up. I know. Yes, I know, we, and I, I read before Monday that um, that that was certainly that was certainly public sentiment. Um, but the documents that you produced on Monday kind of backed you up on that, did they not? Well, uh, yeah. Friday, ten days ago, I, when I come, I, I was home from from Montgomery, and I, I had an individual contact me. They needed to see me, and uh, they provided me with documents that clearly indicated that a decision to kill football had been made prior. To football season even started, and we had a new coach at the time, a new, a brand new coach, Bill Clark, came over from Jacksonville State. And before Coach Clark coached his first game, the decision had been made to shutter the program at the end of the season. So this was and this was Coach Clark's first season at the helm as being head coach of the UAB football team. First season, right? And we uh, 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 at one point. The, discuss, the the plans as are laid out in those documents was to make an announcement uh, in September. And what what we had were was correspondence directed toward uh, UAB Public Information Director Jim Bakken uh, from Car Sports Consulting, Bill Carr, who who did the strategic study. And a New York public relations firm by the name of Sartre, Verbenon and Company. 
and and Sark Rabinet had recommended a apparently had recommended at some point that an announcement be made in the in in September, and there were two timelines laid out: the seventeenth and the thirtieth. And there's a very detailed seventeenth so and the thirtieth of September of last year of, of, of September. Right. And then there is a letter from Car Sports Consulting urging that 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 uh, announcement be pushed back until December out of fear that players might quit playing. They may petition to the NCAA to get their eligibility back. Uh, even if they'd played in two or three games, or there might be an entire team walk, uh, boycott, and and that the school might uh, uh, not be able to fulfill its contractual obligations for the 2014 season. So the the PR firm uh, Sard Verbin and out of New York, very good PR firm. If you look at their website, um, they are they are known and they have. Um, they do a lot of public relations work in the Wall Street area. There's a, a Bloomberg News uh, article from August of 2013, and the headline on that article says, Sard Verbenen, Wall Street's go-to crisis PR firm. So obviously, if, um, if UAB or agents of UAB had gone to the length to hire such a um, um, – uh, such a high-powered law firm out of New York, uh, they knew they were not likely at that point to make a decision to continue the football program, correct? Well, uh, Dr. Watts, in attacking me uh, in, a, in a written press release after Monday's press conference, said that uh, like all big organizations, they plan for several different scenarios it just seems like in this instance, there's no record of any scenario that was that was accounted for except for killing football. The only variance on the uh, on on the scenarios is the date in which it was done. Right, right. And so, as as part, and I've had an opportunity to review. I believe in the press conference Monday, you 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 made available to the public over 120 pages of documents. Is that right? That's correct. In in part of those documents, some of these documents, and I encourage everybody, um, if they want to um, if they want to access these documents, AL dot com has done a tremendous job at covering this issue. Um, Kevin Skarbinski, I believe, um, Jack is the yes. reporter who's kind of been a lead on it, but but other individuals also at al.com have also written stories that are that are that are helpful for people to follow i know kelsey stein john archibald kyle whitmire madison underwood barnett right they've all written articles and and there was a good article that uh that uh that kevin skorbinski wrote the day of your press conference that, that kind of serves as a timeline for anybody that wants to know um uh, that, that wants to understand what these documents say about what the university was telling people and the press and their students and the football program and the coaches and the players and, and what was reality. And so in those documents, one of the first thing that jumped out to me, Jack, was a, was a, um, a document that didn't have 
it, it, it was not on letterhead. A lot of these documents were on letterhead. This, this particular document was not on letterhead. And on the top left-hand part of the document, in all caps, it says confidential draft. And then, um, and then the, the, the title under that is leak scenario Q&A. So obviously the, the PR firm as well as the university were preparing for there to be leaks of, of, uh, of, of, uh, of whether or not the university was committed to continuing the football program. Are you familiar with this document that I'm referring to, the, the leak scenario Q&A document? <laughs> I am. I, and, and not, I was familiar with it before I saw it because I, right. heard, I heard all of that BS uh, all fall. Uh, well, I want to I want to talk to you and get your thoughts on a couple. We don't have time to go over the entire document. We don't have time to go over all 126 pages. But I, I do want to get your your comments on on a on a couple of of items and and bullet points that um, that's in this document. So leak scenario Q and A. Um, they have uh, uh, and I don't know exactly. I'm looking at it right now, Jack. It it looks like it's uh, well over 15, 16 different questions for people to review in case they're asked by the press or asked in the community about um, about where the university and what the university's position is with respect to canceling the football program. thought it was interesting. Um, number three is, is UAB committed to its football program? Question mark. Now, keep in mind, these are talking points. We don't know exactly who wrote these talking points, but I think we can assume that it was um, either the university or possibly uh, individuals at the PR firm of Sardberg for Benin. Um, number three is UAB committed to its football program. And there's four, there's four talking points underneath that question. Number one, as we've stated in the past, UAB remains committed to excellence and to the building and prop to the building and properly supporting championship athletic programs. Um, what was your first thought when you read that bullet point? I was it, it was laughable. <laughs> I mean, uh, do, you, do you think UAB has supported its football program over the over the uh, at least near future, but over over the long term? Chip, over the last five years, UAB is the only FBS program that has had zero athletic debt, and part of that stems from the way we're our. Uh, College is set, our university is established, uh, and and I may be jumping ahead of you a little bit, but to answer your question, no, no, I please, yeah, important. absolutely. Um, we're part of the University of Alabama system, and that's the Tuscaloosa campus, the Birmingham, UAB, the Birmingham campus, and UAH, our campus in Huntsville, and uh, uh, there is an athletic committee that was established some fifteen, sixteen years ago uh, that. Any athletic spending has to go before that committee. And uh, so basically what happens is the athletic directors from the schools and the presidents get together and they go before the athletic committee and get a uh, – they get thumbs up or thumbs down on whether to go before the full board. So basically what has happened over the last few years is if Tuscaloosa wants something – they give it to them, and if Birmingham wants it, they turn it down. Right. So we right. we have had nothing 
No, as a matter of fact, we've had we've had items that individuals offered to pay for that uh, that were uh, that were at no cost to the university or the system. Right. The athletic committee would not allow the money to be spent. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more because you you mentioned, and I'm glad you brought that up. That was actually going to be my next question because in many states, every state's run differently. In Alabama, the, the University of Alabama System Board of Trustees, as you just said, governs activities at three universities, University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, UAB, and then the University of Alabama in Huntsville. Um, but uh, Melissa Brown from AL.com wrote an article back in uh, in mid-November. This was even before the official announcement. We know that the decision had already been made by the university to discontinue uh, the football program along with two other athletic programs. But when we look at who makes up the University of Alabama board, and I'm 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 quoting directly from Melissa Brown's articles from Melissa Brown's article in November 16, 2004. So who exactly are these trustees, and how does the board operate. The board consists of 15 regular, regularly serving trustees and two ex-officio members whose positions are always filled by the sitting governor and the superintendent of education, the two ex-officio uh, uh, board appointments. The board oversees, as we just discussed, University of Alabama UAB and the University of Alabama Huntsville, and also the UA Health Services Foundation. And then they're, they're chosen from around the state. So the, of the 15 regularly serving members, three are chosen from Tuscaloosa's congressional district, which in this case is the 7th congressional district. Two, and then two members are chosen from each of the other congressional districts. So in theory, this board of trustees, which governs uh, the University of Alabama System Schools in, in Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, and Huntsville, are supposed to be represented by individuals from across the state. But when you look closer at who these people are, um, the, three um, the three schools in the system are not uh, they're not represented equally on the board, despite the trustees hailing from around the state. Twelve of the 15 trustees graduated from the University of Alabama. Two graduated from UAB, and not one of the trustees graduated from the University of Alabama at Huntsville. So, um, and, and and just to yeah, the one of the UAB graduates. Attended the Tuscaloosa campus for three years, got married, followed her husband up here to medical school, and graduated from UAB. Yeah, so walk me through. I mean, that, that seems to be that seems to be part part of the problem, and and it, it I think it's part of the problem historically, and in, in how um, in how the trustees of the University of Alabama have have treated UAB and and uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on what why is that why is the why have the trustees always been um why have they always been so University of Alabama centric when the University of Alabama in Birmingham and these aren't my statistics but when you look at statistics as it relates to employers um and this is from the Birmingham business Association, 2014 Metropolitan Birmingham Employer Numbers. The University of Alabama in Birmingham is the largest employer in the region. It employs over 23,000 people. The, the second largest employer in Birmingham is Regions Financial Corporation, uh, just about 7,500 employees. So oh, well, you've got the largest employer in the state. Wow. Uh, so you've got the largest employer in the state. 
in the largest city in the state, in the largest county in the state, and yet all of their activities are governed by a board that is supposed to be represented statewide to be looking out for the interest of these three universities that they govern, but it's not. it, it doesn't turn out that way, does it? Well, no, and, and it, it hasn't always been that way. This is a uh, this is a, a relatively young system, probably less than I think the system itself is less than fifty years old. Right. Uh, and uh, at one point there was a real excitement about all three campuses amongst board members, but but in the mid seventies in nineteen seventy seven. Uh, UAB decided to start an athletic program. Uh, uh, Jerry Young was uh, the uh, vice president of the university then, and he got with Dr. Dick Hill, and they developed a plan right. to start athletics at UAB, and and uh, they went to a couple of board members. They got their blessings. So, so uh, <laughs> UAB, which uh, had been established to be a premier medical center just operated off the assumption that that the UA board wanted excellence in everything. So they went out and hired Gene Bartow as the head basketball coach and athletic director at UAB. Now, Gene Bartow was the head coach at UCLA. He had he was the successor to John Wooden who won nine national championships sure. at UCLA in 11 years. Uh, coach Bartow had taken two teams to the final four. He'd taken Memphis to the final four in, I think, 72 or 73, where they lost to UCLA. And then in uh, 75, he took UCLA to the uh, final four. Right. So right. Uh, um, he, they, they shocked <laughs> the world when they hired Gene Bartow. He had originally been hired as a consultant to uh, the program to help them figure out how you go about hiring a you know starting an athletic program right when after they looked over his uh his his plan they said well we have uh, we've narrowed our coaching search to four candidates and coach Bartow says well tell me who maybe, maybe i can help you give you some insight on ranking the candidates or uh maybe give you some insight on uh, you know help you in attracting a candidate and they said well we're going to hire the head coach from north carolina the head coach from Kentucky, the head coach from Indiana, or the head coach from UCLA. <laughs> and he laughed in their face. I bet and, he uh, did. <laughs> and, and he said, none of those guys are going to come come uh, uh, coach for you. And uh, Coach Barco, when he was hired at UCLA, was hired and paid the same thing that John Wooden was paid as the head basketball coach at UCLA. And and that makes sense. The guy won nine championships in 11 years. You're not going to hire someone and pay him more. So like John Wooden, Coach Bartow was making $32,000 a year. Wow. And what year was this, Jack? This was 1977. 1977. So they told Coach, well, we're going to pay $100,000. And he determined that $100,000 in Birmingham, Alabama would probably go further <laughs> than 32000 in Los Angeles. I think that's the and same assessment, moved, and it would today as well. He, he, <laughs> he moved his family 
to uh, Birmingham and started the athletic program. Well, this just rattled cages uh, within the system. And uh, within a few years, within probably 10 or 12 years, uh, all, and and this has been chronicled by uh, different publications, but all of the uh, strong UAB supporters on the board were either aged out or not reappointed. Right. And they were replaced by board members who, in interviewing prospective board members, one of the questions was always became, well, how many football games do you go to a year? Right. And and there there's certainly a certain standard you had to meet um to be on the board at the University of Al- for the University of Alabama system. Sure. But one of those standards became an ardent Tusk fan of the Tuscaloosa campus's athletic program. Sure. And uh, I might add, for those who are scratching their head going, well, what, you know, who's asking that question, what difference does it make? Th- th- this board is not like most every university board in the country. This board is not appointed by the governor or by legislative leaders. This is a self-perpetuating board. They, by secret ballot, select their own successors and their own fellow board members. Correct. Correct. So so if you don't think like they do, you don't hang around or you don't get invited back. That's right. I know you and we're going to talk later. I know you've got a piece of legislation that addresses reform on the UAB Board of Trustees and we're going to get to that later, but um in full disclosure, I went to Auburn University, got out in 1995 and so uh, uh even though I grew up in Georgia, currently live in Georgia, do some PR work and some political work over in the in the Atlanta area. Um I'm not a Crimson Tide fan. I'll just go ahead and be honest and and upfront and in full disclosure. However, um any football fan looking at it objectively, and I do the best I can to look at it objectively, Jack, even though sometimes it's hard, it's hard to argue that over the last seven or eight years that the University of Alabama has not been the most successful football program in the country. Would you agree with that statement? That that in Tuscaloosa they've been yes, the most successful. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and Chip, let me say this. This is not – UAB versus Alabama. Uh, right. We have tremendous support Indeed. in 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 Tuscaloosa, in the uh, on the campus. The Crimson and White has written editorials supporting UAB athletics, supporting on campus facilities, even sure. supporting UAB having its own board of trustees. The 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 UA student government has passed resolutions in support, and uh, we did some statewide polling, and I broke it down by counties. And in Tuscaloosa County, I think like 62% of the folks support UAB having uh, a football team, and over 60% support uh, 
think UAB ought to have their own board of trustees, and that's in Tuscaloosa County. Yeah, yeah, no, I was, I was about, yeah, that's exactly, and I appreciate you bringing that up. That was just the point I was going to make is that uh, of of all the uh, of all the Alabama fans that I know, and I do know, I do know some Alabama fans, um, not not a lot, but I do know some Alabama fans. They're very they're very supportive. It's not a it's not an us versus them mentality. They're very supportive of what happens at UAB, and they're disappointed at the decision to drop the football program, which makes it even even more perplexing that uh, that the trustees, even though they're they're trying to say that they didn't have any influence over the university's decision, it's obvious when you look uh, when you look historically that they did did have influence. One more question for you, and then I want to I want to change subjects a little bit and get back to um, some of the documentation that you um, that you uh, um, you uh, released or you released at your press conference last Monday. Um, I read some information in part of preparing for this show. I read some information about uh, 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 Paul Bryant Jr., Bear Bryant's son, who is a member of the Board of Trustees, and how in 1991, Gene Barta wrote a letter to the NCAA that did not get published until, or did not become public until 1993, in which he accused. Um, he accused Bear Bryant of cheating. Do you are you familiar with that memo and that situation? And and there's been speculation amongst some that 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 perhaps that that could have been um, uh, the catalyst to say to uh, uh, for Paul Bryant Jr. to to kind of lead an effort to uh, to eliminate UAB athletics. Well. Uh... You, you got to back up just a little bit. And remember, UAB came out of the gate. They stormed out of the gate. Uh, had their first uh, NCAA win, I think, in their third year. I believe it was. I believe it was the program's fourth year. UAB actually went to the to the Elite Eight. So uh, they would have been playing this weekend. Wow. That year. Yeah. And uh they were the first basketball program in the state to go to the Elite Eight. Now, uh, since that time Auburn and Alabama have have uh, each gone so all three major programs have gone one time to the Elite Eight, but there were a couple of uh in in today's world they would have been five-star prospects here in Birmingham, Ennis Watley mm-hmm. and Buck Johnson who both uh committed to and and, and both uh both committed to play at UAB their senior year and then wound up uh on signing day signing with uh Alabama right and uh, and they both had good careers at Alabama and went on and played several years in the NBA so there was a a real rivalry that existed between coach Barto and and Wimp Sanderson the coach at, at uh UAB or at Alabama, Alabama. At and uh and it was, in all honesty, those were the days of the best basketball in the state of Alabama. There was also a big rivalry between UAB and Auburn. Uh, right. uh, what a lot of folks don't know is Charles Barkley was committed to UAB and then wound up at Auburn. I did so, not know uh, that. I did yes, not know yes. that. Uh, and, uh, uh, but uh, Coach Barto was, you know, he, he – he he was a big big name, and he came in and and I don't think he had ever seen anything quite like the establishment that UAB had or, or that that Alabama had in 
in uh, in sports here because he had sure. been in places where it was a little more Memphis is so far from Tennessee, and he had been at Illinois and UCLA, and uh, and it's you know obviously UCLA there's so many schools, so big so many schools that you don't have the it's just not like this. So, sure, uh, coach got very frustrated, wrote a letter to David Burst, the director of enforcement for the NCAA, sent the letter, and three years later, for whatever reason, David Burst decided to release that letter to the press. Right. And uh, and Coach told me personally uh, that if he had it do over again, he would have never – he had written a letter. Coach Bartow told you got, that. Yes. 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 <laughs> Got his frustration off his chest and thrown it in the garbage. Uh, but um, and 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 I will also say, to my knowledge, that's the only time the NCAA has ever released. Imagine that anything like yeah. that. Yeah. And 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 while there was tension and and competition between UAB and Alabama for recruits during that period, it was and it and it was bitter. It turned toxic right. when that letter was released. Sure. It, it's, th- that letter, I think, haunted Coach Bartow the rest of his career and haunted uh, yeah. UA- has haunted UAB since then. Yeah, that's amazing. It, that is, I, and I forget, I, I know it was an AL.com story, but I, I uh, uh, having uh, not grown up in the state of Alabama, but having attended Auburn and, and understanding the passions, um, the passions that exist, uh, not only with Auburn fans, but Alabama fans, I, I can only imagine that even though that happened in 1991 and 1993, um, there's a reason it's still being mentioned today in yeah. the context of what's happening here. Let me let me change gears for, for just a second and talk about, um, there was a, uh, and I don't want to know that it, it was a memo per se, but it, it was a, a document that was part of what you released on Monday the 23rd called UAB Athletic Department Strategic Plan Announcement. You're familiar with this document because you ended up you ended up releasing it on on Monday, and there's no date on this document, but it does reference it does reference um, uh, dates in the future in September. So one can only guess that it was likely written either in prior to September of 2014, and. And it, it's it's part of a litany of memos and documents that was released on Monday that shows a clear pattern of um, wanting to make certain that the university and its agents were as prepared as they can possibly be for all types of different PR scenarios. One of the things that I found most interesting in this strategic plan announcement memo is towards the end of the memo um, – and this is on UAB letterhead, it, it, it says, is this decision final, and can it change if we win out? And so, obviously, that's another reference to the fact that this memo was written either at the beginning of the football season or before the beginning of the football season. Um, because, as we know from documents that were released, there were two announcement days in September that ended up getting pushed until December. But let me, let me read a little bit of this and then get your comments on it. question is, is this decision final and can it change out? Again, this is an internal document, and I know that UAB never never intended for this document to be read on a, um, a radio show, um, and they never, meant it, they never meant for anybody to read it in the public domain, obviously, and you'll understand why once it's read. But 
this decision, this is from their document, this decision is driven by a stark fiscal reality that a winning season cannot change. That said, there are still many benefits to you and your team by finishing the season strong. So in, in theory, this is written as if it's talking points to the football players and the football teams. And the three benefits that the strategic plan gives to the players are this. Number one, transfer. Take this opportunity to showcase your talents and use the remainder of the season to secure an opportunity to continue your athletic career at another school if you so desire. Number two, In other words, play play for yourself, not your team. That's exactly right. And it gets better, Jack. It gets better. Number two, seniors. A unified team can make sure our, our seniors finish their careers the right way, something they have earned and deserve. Do you think the seniors were able to finish out their careers in the right way? Uh, oh, absolutely not. They 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 deserved a lot better than they got. And and to say to the sophomores and juniors and freshmen, give them what they deserve because we're not going to give them what they deserve. So, exactly. Or give you what you deserve either. That's exactly. And the third bullet point: coaches. The better this team performs, the better the available opportunities will be for the coaching staff as they take their next step in their career. So we're sorry we're shutting down the football program, but you've you got some things to play for. You can transfer, you can play for the seniors, or you can help your coaches improve their opportunities at another school because we're going to kick them out of here. And, and the kicker. And, and, yeah, go ahead. And, and let me mention the coaches that they want the players to be worried about are the coaches they hired away and brought in without telling them there was a plan underway to kill the football program. Exactly. So this was the coaching staff's first year, and he only had a three-year – Coach Clark only had a three-year contract. I believe the assistants only have year-to-year contracts. Is that is that your that's, understanding that's as well? That's correct. So they, they're, they knew they're the paid assistants. until May, and that's it. Indeed. So th- this bullet point, after it mentions uh, transfer seniors and coaches, it ends by saying – and this is um, – and and the, these these five words are, I don't want to say they're in all caps, but they're the the first words capitalized in all of it. It says, "Make history, comma, show your heart." This will be a difficult transition, but it will demonstrate your ability to deal with hard times and show hard work ethic, loyalty, and dedication. These traits, these are traits to be proud of, and this is a story you will be able to share and benefit from in every job interview for the rest of your life. Take this opportunity to prove your ability to deal with the difficult situation and to help others through the same. It's something employers look for. What were your thoughts when you read that? I, I, I wanted to throw up. It was, it was, it, this is, that's the most galling paragraph in, in this entire uh, 125 pages. Sure. Uh, show, uh, uh, show heart, uh, loyalty, and dedication. We want you to show something to to this team that we're not showing to you. Sure. Uh, even in the beginning of that document, uh, <laughs> these guys that have have sprained ankles, pulled muscles, some of them had concussions, some of them messed up knees or shoulders. Uh, they're told early in the document, you have shown admirable dedication to UAB. Uh, We're sorry for any disruption this decision will cause for you. Sure. I mean, 
it, it, it's just so <laughs> callous. It is. It, it's it's. Uh, I, I've never seen anything like this. And uh, and it gets and, worse. And and you, it, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I'll tell you, uh, folks were very red faced about this particular document coming out because uh, uh, I think it showed how heartless uh, this decision was and uh, how hypocritical and uh, phony the leadership at UAB was through this process. Yeah, and it gets worse when when we when we when we look at the. University of Alabama at Birmingham Athletic Department announcement Q&A that was also released on Monday. At the top of that document, it says confidential draft for internal use only, and and they misspell internal. It's internal use only, but we understand what they mean. They go through a, 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 a litany of questions and talking points regarding the overall decision. And before I read that, I want to read UAB's statement that they gave on Monday after you held your press conference, because I think uh-huh. that's important as we go through this document, and this document that we're about to go through, which clearly shows that it clearly confirms what, what a lot of people speculated, which is this decision was made long before December 2nd. Now we have documentation to prove it was, but on the on the 23rd of um of March, just last week, UAB issues a statement. At UAB, as with any major organization, it is common to prepare for potential scenarios from a communication standpoint. I think we would all agree with that statement. Even prior to a final decision being made, these documents are consistent with such a process. But the final sentence of the statement is what... um, what I think is really getting a lot of people's attention, quote, the decision was final in November after all information was garnered and analyzed. So even after documentation, their documentation, which shows that the decision was made long before November, decision was made before the season started, knowing that their internal communications documents have been leaked to the public, um, they don't change their position that they didn't make this statement until November. Um, well, what were your thoughts are, when you read that statement from UAB? <laughs> you know, it, I was astounded. Yeah. I, I mean, it was like, really? Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, it's like, who are you going to believe, me or your lion eyes? Right. <laughs> right. The documents say what the documents say. And Bill Carr, on Friday, uh, there was a uh, an email released from the head of the athletic task force and the president of the alumni association that he had spoken to Bill Carr in February and Carr had confirmed to him that the decision to close football was made in August. Amazing. Yeah. And yet, and yet the university president still, uh, Ray Watts is still not, um, is, is still not, uh, still believes that, that the decision wasn't made, or if he doesn't believe that's still what he's saying, it wasn't made until November, a few weeks before the announcement was made in December. So we go back to the um, the athletic department announcement Q&A memo, um, and I'm going to hit just a few of the bullets. I think there's 29, 30 bullets. We're only going to talk about a few because that's all the time we have. But number two, and there's this, UAB is more than a year into its strategic planning process. And so many other decisions were made months ago. 
Why did the athletic department make this decision, and how long have you known about it? Now, keep in mind that this draft was made, we believe, um, it references dates in September that are to come, so it was either it was either made in September of 2014 or before September of 2014. The third bullet under under that statement is quote: We received a detailed final report final report on this issue from Car Sports Consulting in, and then it says parentheses month closed parentheses. So. They clearly don't know exactly what time they're going to get the final report, but they know what the final report is going to say. Is that how you interpreted that as well? Absolutely. Uh, the uh, in in the back of the documents that I released was a car report dated September third, and uh, the car report the media received on November eighteenth, or, or no, December second was dated November eighteenth. And it's virtually the same report, just minor differences. And, of course, the date is different. And then number four, who was involved in making this decision? Um, The UAB administration and athletic department leadership agreed that this is the best decision for UAB and future of UAB athletics. UAB also consulted with highly knowledgeable outside experts and advisors from Car Sports Consulting to validate our analysis and inform our planning. So it certainly sounds like Car Sports Consulting, according to their own memo, not Car Sports Consulting memo, but according to UAB internal communications memos, was brought in for the specific purpose of validating the decision to end the football program. Is that you? You, you, you get the opinion that they said, "Here's what we've decided." Now. Give us a report that confirms what we've, you know, make the numbers work for this. And and uh, in, I'm sure in some of the stories that you've, you've done, uh, that you've looked at in preparation for this, uh, the car report has been totally discredited. Indeed. The, the, the numbers they're are all over the place. Uh, and, and, and they're, for example, uh, they underestimated, uh, under, they didn't underestimate, they understated. Uh, what UAB's money money they received from their conference affiliation, they understated what uh, the contributions that the that UAB received for football that didn't match up with what the the documents UAB had filed with the IRS. Uh, there there were just several, uh, and and they used 2013 numbers in 2014. With just a six and six record, UAB's attendance increased by 130 percent. Wow, and and they they didn't factor in any of that. The entire report was done based off of UAB continuing to average what they averaged in uh, 2013, which was a little over 11,000 fans a game, and that is a that was at the end of a very long decline because years earlier UAB had averaged had several years where they averaged uh, over 20,000 fans a game. Uh, and and didn't they? So the initial discussions and initial communications were we're, we're going to look at making this announcement at the beginning of the football season. But I, I I believe, and I think probably the correct decision was made for a multitude of reasons, not to make 
the announcement either at the beginning or in the middle of a football season. You you never want you never want an announcement like this to happen right. when the when the when the kids and the student athletes are are uh, are in season. But the irony of all that is is that until this year how many years and uh, how many times in the past twenty twenty five years have has the UAB football program been bowl eligible? Twice. Twice. And this year they were bowl eligible. They didn't get invited to a bowl because the announcement before the before the bowl selection committees could could send out in, invitations to bowls or around the same time the university made a decision that they were they were uh, discontinuing their football program. But on this same athletic department announcement Q&A memo. Number 12 says, how much would it cost to make football competitive? So clearly, even though they wanted to wait until the end of the year, or they were making a decision to wait until the end of the year, they were kind of rooting against the success of the program because um, I think it, it, anybody looking at it objectively from the outside has to say, in spite of all the rumors going on, UAB football had a very successful year this past year, did they not? Uh, they did. Six and six, averaged 23,000 fans a game. And uh, and in 2011, we hadn't had a chance to talk about this, and we may not be able to get into this tonight, but in 2011, there was a proposal to build an on-campus stadium uh, in uh uh, on campus at UAB that would seat like 28,000 folks. We would have had three sellouts this year had uh, had we built that stadium, and we only had to average about 16,000, 17,000 fans a game to to be able to pay uh, to pay the note on it to, to to make the bond payments. And UAB and played oh, Le- Legion Field, is that correct? Yes, yes. And that's 80, not a, that's not an on campus stadium, correct? No, it, that's is, how... it is not. Yeah. And and over the last. Uh, 20 years, uh, UAB has averaged uh, over the life of the football program. They've averaged enough fans to have covered the cost of that that stadium uh, 12 out of 19 years. Right, right. So I tell you, so oh, the over here, really there. Over here in Georgia, we uh, Georgia State University is. Uh, um, I guess their football program is probably. Um, been existence for seven or eight years, and they're struggling, Jack. They're struggling because um, they play their they play their home games in the Georgia Dome, and it's not their home, and it's the home of the Atlanta Falcons. And so, while it's a nice facility, and while they're going to get to play their new games at the new dome that's being played in Atlanta, um, the football program is struggling because. Um, uh, they they play in a facility that uh, that seats up to seventy seventy five thousand people, and it's not on campus, and so it's not their home. By contrast, the basketball team, which just like UAB this past year, a couple weeks ago, um, made a successful run in the NCAA tournament, they play in a gymnasium on campus which is tiny and only holds three thousand people, but it's their home. And it's their DNA. It's the DNA of their basketball program. Kennesaw State University, just outside of uh, just outside of Atlanta, and uh, very close to where I live, is is going to. They just had their first spring game in the history of the program uh, yesterday. Um, they play in a facility that was um, that is on campus, just off of campus. A beautiful facility, Fifth Third Bank Stadium, that was made for soccer. Um, for the professional women's soccer team, which only lasted a couple years, and then they folded. But they have this great venue. I don't even know that it seats 12,000 
to 13,000 people for football, Jag. But there will be no individual seats available for purchase when Kennesaw State starts football next year because there's that much support from the community and from the university for their own stadium, a place they can call their home, a place they can own. And it, it's not a large stadium, but it's a really nice facility, and I promise you they will they will pack it out. With UAB not having that resource and not having that asset, it's very difficult to build a program when you're playing your, your home games at Legion Field, is it not? Well, you know, Chip, we're playing in a 75,000-seat stadium. So if we have 35, I mean, at 23,000, we were in the middle of the pack for Conference USA, we were the third highest uh, attendant, had the third highest attendance in the uh, uh, in the state last year behind Alabama and Auburn, and I think we were like uh, third in Conference USA in in attendance. But if we put, but if we if we increase that by fifty percent and average thirty five thousand fans a game, we would be far and away the lead conference USA in attendance and be playing in Legion Field and it looked like no one was there. Sure. You bet. That's exactly right. And then that's the point I'm making is that it, Georgia State's in a similar position. They have ten to 12,000 people show up for a game and the dome looks empty. But if they were to play their home games at Fifth Third Bank Stadium, which is a much smaller venue, um, and they were to produce that type of attendance, it would look like the the team was thriving and it would be some place where you could recruit a lot of people to come from. I know we're limited on time, so I kind of I, I want to talk about one other thing in that confidential draft from the um, – from the university, and then I want to transition a little bit to where do we go from here? What 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 do you think is going to happen from here? What what type of of things do, are you planning legislatively? And we'll also talk about kind of an, uh, uh, Ray Watts's future and an exit strategy that the that the university and the, and the trustees find themselves in. But but again, um, the 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 memo that we've been discussing. And I know I'm bouncing around, and I apologize. Um, the, the confidential draft for internal use only. Again, these are talking points created by the university um, that they never wanted to become public. They didn't want us talking about them on a talk show. They didn't want AL.com uh, writing about them. They didn't want anybody reading them. And they spent a considerable amount of time on questions regarding the UA system of trustees. So these aren't questions, Jack, that you wrote. They're not questions that I wrote. They're not questions that students at UAB wrote. These are questions that individuals at the, within top levels of leadership at UAB wrote, anticipating that there was going to be a firestorm over any type of potential leaks. And so question 28, what role did the UA system of Board of Trustees play in this decision? Did anyone from the Board of Trustees encourage or pressure UAB to do this. So clearly they knew that was out there, and they knew they were going to have to address it. The first bullet point under it, this was not a board of trustees' decision to make. This decision was ours and ours alone and absolutely necessary. No, we didn't have any outside influence from the board of trustees. Number 29, doesn't the UA system board of trustees have a hidden agenda when it comes to football? Wasn't the football program a target long before the strategic planning process came along. So they knew they had a problem, 
and they were trying to get out in front of it. Didn't do a very good job of getting in front of it. But now instead of speculating that they had a problem, the university did with the influence that the trustees have on them, they write about it in their own talking points. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I will say, I'll give Ray Watts credit for this. When in his press conference, when he was asked if the board had anything to do with this, uh, he denied board involvement and managed to keep a straight face. Uh, but, but I have spoken to three or four civic groups in the last two or three months, and this is what they want me to, they're always asking about UAB. And so I typically ask uh, the groups that I speak to, how many folks in here believe, well, the last group I spoke to, I said, how many, how many folks in here believe the board had no influence in Dr. Watts' decision? And I wasn't really anticipating anybody raise their hand, but what I got instead was the group laughed out loud yeah. at even the suggestion that the board yeah. wasn't involved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and um, if we look at, obviously Ray Watts is the face of this decision. He's the president of UAB in early January, on the 13th of January, both the student undergraduate and the student graduate boards voted unanimously in favor of a no-confidence resolution on the university president. Two days later, the UAB Faculty Senate passed a no-confidence resolution on the UAB Senate and on the UAB president. Excuse me. And their 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 um, their statement after the no-confidence resolution said, "Quote: Recent decisions by President Watts." were exercised in a manner that demonstrates no respect for or commitment to shared governance, the resolution says. During President Watts' 22-month tenure, he, he has failed to apply principles of shared governance to selection of university administration officers, disbanding of the athletic programs, changes in the academic operations, and changes in faculty benefits. So in mid-January, he, he survives three no-confidence resolutions from undergraduate board, graduate board, and then the faculty senate. Then after your press conference on Monday, the UAB National Alumni Society called for the resignation of President Watts, and then the next day the AL.com editorial board also called for the resignation of President Watts. So I think it's clear that he's not going to survive. The question is – what is the any idea what the exit strategy is how how does he how does he leave quietly or can he leave quietly? How long is he going to drag it out and certainly the trustees um want to i would i would assume that they would want to move on from this situation what what are you what are your thoughts on um what are your thoughts on uh on on what not asking you to to, to maybe look into the future, because I know we, we all uh, we wish we had a crystal ball to know what happens in the future, but I, I don't see any way President Watts can stay. He's lost all the confidence of everybody at the university. How is this going to end for him? Well, to to to, to tell you the level, of the how badly his confidence, the the folks' confidence in him is shattered. A local columnist wrote Monday after the press conference that his credibility was so bad that if he beat on his door in the middle of the night yelling that his house was on fire, that the columnist would roll over and go back to sleep. 
and that's not but, good for a university president. And then, um, yeah. did, I, did I read also as well that he can't, he cannot, um, he cannot make, he cannot have movements on campus without armed yeah. guards at his side. He, he has to have armed guards to walk across campus. I mean, it, it's fascinating. And and you know, I'm speculating right now, Chip, uh, but I here's. How what I think is going on right now? I th- a I think the board deeply regrets ever getting into this, ever touching this. Really uh, interesting. Second, secondly, I think they desperately want to get rid of Ray Watts, but Ray Watts won't reverse his decision. He won't resign, and I I think, and it's speculation, but I think he's saying to the board, "Go ahead and fire me." And I'll blow the whistle on how you guys were involved in this. So my guess is sometime in the next two to three months, Ray Watts will walk away from UAB, a very, very wealthy man, Indeed. and he'll be paid for for X number of years to do nothing, uh, which is how we get rid of college presidents in Alabama. Uh, <laughs> and then what's and then and then what's next for the UAB football program? What uh, it, it's apparent that Ray Watts has lost all confidence of anybody at UAB. Um, he's likely not going to be there, as you said, in a couple of months. I think most people would agree with that. Even his supporters will likely agree with that. But what's the next step for the free UAB movement? What is, uh, well, what's on the horizon for the free UAB movement over the next couple of months? And, and um, walk us through how, that, how you see that playing out. Well, our, our focus is turned to the legislature, and I have three pieces of legislation that I've drafted. One would require board members to go through SACs and uh, ethics training prior to serving on the board. Uh, it would remove them for a SACs violation, and it would uh, uh, require them to file statements of economic interest and reveal any business relationships or business transactions with other board members. Uh, the second bill would reconfigure the board. It would eliminate the self-perpetuating aspect of the board. It would uh, limit terms from three six-year terms to two six-year terms, and it would relocate the uh, system office from Tuscaloosa to Hoover, which is uh, a large city in Jefferson County but not not in Birmingham, and kind right. of give them a little distance between uh, between a little separation from all the campuses so the system can focus on all all uh, campuses equally. And then thirdly, my third bill would restore football to UAB uh, as long as uh, there was football at the Tuscaloosa campus. Walk us through real quickly what how many sponsors you have on those three, on those three pieces of legislation, how much longer the legislative session is going to last, because I think the timing of these pieces of legislation could very well have an impact on the fate of Ray Watts. Uh, the Out of 105 members in the House, I had 63 co-sponsors on the ethics bill, 42 co-sponsors to reform the board, and uh, 38 co-sponsors on the football bill. And I had several folks tell me that they didn't want to sign the bills, but they would support me uh, when they came up for a vote. Uh, we're, we finished our eighth legislative day. We have 30 legislative days. So it's Over early, it's early in the session. Period, so yes, yes. We're, we're not even uh, a third of the way through the session yet. Uh, we're, we're there till June 11th. 
and uh, I'm optimistic that uh, that we'll forge some kind of compromise uh, with the other side because it's not going well for them, despite the probably half million dollars they've put out in uh, public relations for public relations purposes. Nobody's buying what they're selling, and I think we're close to. Uh, uh, having them in a situation where they're going to, want to sit down and and figure out how do we how do we change the narrative here and and okay. and start focusing on building the system rather than than what they've done the last few months. So. Sure. And so maybe in the long run, um, possibly in the long run, if there can be changes made and there can be reforms made to um, to the university trustee system and as well as to UAB it could turn out to be a win-win in the long run it could be to the benefit of the University of Alabama Tuscaloosa as well as UAB and I know that's what you've been working hard for I know there's a lot of people that um, that are both UAB, uh, UAB fans and Alabama fans that would like to see that as well um, and I can promise you that we're going to be following it we're going to be following it here as well I, I want to be respectful of your time I know we're we're just about up with our um, with our hour segment, uh, Representative Jack Williams. I want to thank you for joining us today and, and giving us insight. I, um, I I know the time has flown by. There's a, a lot of things that that I wanted to address that we haven't had a chance to address, but I do want to announce that um, that there's going to be a, another show. We'll have a a second show. We're going to be doing these periodically uh, throughout the next few months and possibly even longer, but our next show will be uh, Thursday, this Thursday, April 2nd at 8.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, Jack, I don't know uh, if uh, if the legislative calendar will will allow for you to come on as a guest, but you are welcome here anytime. And one of the things we're going to try to do, too, is to uh, talk to different people in the community, and at least on a once-a-week basis, uh, at a very minimum, even if these shows are only 30 minutes. I know today we're going to go just over an hour, but even if these shows are only 30 minutes, give everybody at a very minimum an update on what's going on. I know the... Um, uh, the news reports of the last week have been fast and furious, and it's been um, um, it's been a lot to keep up with. Uh, I don't know I don't know necessarily that that's going to be slowing down, but we will certainly uh, we will certainly uh, monitor that as it goes along. But uh, this is a um, it's a it's an incredible story. It really is. I mean. Uh, um, 1995, as I said in my opening remarks, was the last time a Division One football program in the United States was terminated, and that was the University of the Pacific in uh, in California. It really is hard to believe, 19, 20 years later, that the uh, the next program on that list is a program in the South, in the state of Alabama. Um, a university that is in the largest city in the state of Alabama and the largest county is the largest employer in the state is um, less than an hour's drive from the most successful uh, division one football program <clears throat> over the last five or seven years as much as it hurts me to say that uh, you got to give them credit for that and and uh, and also uh, with uh, Auburn's national championship as well, four of the last six national titles have come to Alabama. So it it, it does leave you wondering um, what was behind a decision like this. Certainly universities don't make a decision um, uh, strictly on economics to close programs. I think it's apparent from 
the research Jack, that you were able to obtain and that you released last Monday that it confirmed what you've been saying for months and what others have been saying for months, and that is there's a lot more to it. And I would suspect as as time goes on and as the story continues to develop, um, there likely might even be more documentation that comes out that, pa- that paints even a um, – uh, if if it can be a, a more bleak pic, picture of um, of how the university has gone about uh, a making this decision, and then b I, I don't know that there's any other way to say it, Jack, but but misleading everybody in this decision and continuing to do so even in light of all their confidential documents. And I don't want to say all their confidential documents because there might be more, but. Um, in, instead of, of backing up on Monday and saying, "Hey, we're we're you know, these new documents of uh, we're going to evaluate these documents, we're going to uh, <clears throat> we're going to look into them," and um, but no, no, nobody did that. They doubled down. They they put down the shovel and they got in a backhoe to uh, to um, to build their haul. And and um, Jack, I know you've been, as I said at the beginning, at the forefront of this, and I've uh, kind of been leading the charge to take on really some of the most powerful people in the state of Alabama. So with that, um, I want to thank you for your efforts, number one, and then thank you for taking time tonight to, um, to, um, to talk on this show and to talk to me about um, a little bit of the background. And, and um, this show will be available for, uh, for download on TalkShoe.com at any time. Um, and then, as I had mentioned before, when I started, when we have shows, and, and this Thursday show will be will be interactive. We'll be able to uh, to take uh, questions from people. You'll you'll not only have to call into the uh, the number that you're called into right now, but you'll also need to log in to TalkShoe.com and and uh, and enter the interface, and, and uh, you can type in a, a question in chat, and then uh, we can we can recognize you uh, from an audio perspective, and we we hope. We hope to to kind of build this over time, and um, with that, I wanted to thank everybody for for being on tonight and listening, and and, um, Jack Williams, I'll give you the last word. Chip, I just want to invite you to uh, Birmingham the first weekend in September in 2016, because I'm cautiously optimistic we'll be playing football in Birmingham for UAB that weekend, so. I'll take you up, I'll take you up on that offer, that sounds like a great idea, um, and Jack, I want to thank you again for being on here, and uh, hopefully you'll have some time on on Thursday to come back at 8:30 uh, p.m. Central Time. Uh, we will go ahead and and uh, get that show scheduled tonight, and uh, also make make an announcement on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and things like that. And with that, I hope everybody has a great night and a great week, and we'll see you on Thursday. Thanks so much. Thanks, Chip. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky. In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.